Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast. My name is David, and with me once more is Bobby. Today, we're talking about one of the biggest sporting events or sporting tournaments in the United States, the NCAA National Championship, specifically for Division I basketball, because there are multiple national championships. It's also known as March Madness. Uh, Bobby, if you had to weigh in on how exciting this tournament is to someone who hasn't watched it before, how would you do so? Well, it's in the name, right? March Madness. This is essentially a six, well, technically seven round single elimination tournament. So upsets are bound to happen. Is it the most competitively fair for the top seeds? Not at all. But who cares? Because we're going to see some fireworks. And that's what everyone's here for. Yeah, that's right. Single game. Um, you know, you just have to beat them once. It's not serious. Win your games. Keep, keep going on. Go as far as you can. It's truly a magical time. I feel like with most tournaments, it feels kind of doomed for the lower seeds. Like it's only a matter of time they get weeded out. But this is one of the few tournaments where people expect upsets. Like it's it's bound to happen. I don't think I've ever watched a tournament and not had a significant upset occur. And everyone loves a good underdog story. And there's no greater opportunity in sports than this to watch the little guys take on the the favorites. One team emerges every tournament, it seems, advances like at least three rounds in. And that's the story, one of the defining stories of the tournament, of the whole basketball season. And then that coach gets uh, poached away from that small school for the next season. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, last year there was the Peacocks, St. Peter's Peacocks, the 15th seed who went all the way to the Elite Eight, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's always, yeah, some, some story where everyone's rooting for this one team where they don't know where they're from, but they're playing good basketball. Uh, it's it's a really fun time. So um, let's quickly discuss the format. So 68 teams enter. And if you're doing the math in your head and you understand how tournaments work, that's not a round number for tournaments. Um, so there are four play-in games. The bracket technically is 64 teams in total. There are two games of lower conference champions, lower meaning not as powerful, not as good. The quality of competition isn't the highest uh, in terms of all of Division One basketball. They play each other to enter the main bracket. And then the last four in play each other. That's another thing with brackets. But basically the last four teams to make it, you know, the last four teams to receive at-large bids, um, they'll play amongst themselves and those two will move on. And then they'll enter the main bracket of 64 teams. Teams will play. The winners will move on into the round of 32. This continues, and the following stages have unique names, and it's always an accomplishment to get to these stages. You know, in the auditoriums of these schools, they'll hang banners of, you know, what years they went to the Sweet 16, what years they went to the Elite Eight, to the Final Four, and ideally you end up in the championship game competing for a national title. This year, the Final Four and the subsequent championship game are being held in Houston, uh, Houston, Texas in the NRG Stadium, which houses the Houston Texans. And I don't know if you know this, Bobby, but it also hosts some of the World Cup games in 2026. I feel like I knew that. I mean, Houston's not one of the first cities I think of, and it's not one on my list of like potential places to watch a World Cup game. But good for Houston. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like surprisingly, I, yeah, it's just such a big city and home to a lot of things. Uh, the Final Four logo, you know, kind of pays homage to NASA. Which, you know, Houston, we have a problem is like, you know, a famous space saying. So should be fun. And Final Fours are always exciting. Yeah, I mean, I like the logo. Kind of got like Jimmy Neutron vibes a bit. <laughs> <I think laughs> yeah, you, you see what I mean. 
Yeah, it looks like it could be like an atom or something, you know, with like the electrons flying around the outside. And then there's like stars dotted on the outside on like a I don't think it's black, maybe dark blue background. Um, Yeah, pretty fun. It's always a big deal. I think they have Final Four selected out a few years in advance um, because it's a big deal for a city to host these games. I'll try to go through the rest of this quickly, but the tournament is broken into four major sections. Each section is played in a different region of the U.S., the South, the Midwest, the East, and the West. There are 16 teams in each region, seeded from 1 to 16, naturally. So overall, there are four number one seeds, four number two seeds, and so on. So you may ask yourself, how do you qualify for the tournament? So there are 32 conferences in Division I basketball, and the winners of those conference tournaments get an automatic bid. These conferences all sound vaguely familiar, so to break up the technical discussion about the tournament, Bobby, I'm going to give you five conference names. You have to tell me which ones are real, which ones you think are fake. All could be real, all could be fake. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's do it, let's do it. Okay, so we have the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. So uh, I feel like I know a lot of the conferences. This one is real. This is the New Jersey, New York one. Yes, and uh, the team that won their tournament is uh, Iona University out of New Rochelle, New York. They're the Gales, which I think is someone who speaks Gaelic. That's all that that is, but that's their mascot, the Gales. All right, so next one up, the Summit League. Yeah, that's that's like the North Dakota, South Dakota, like the places where no one lives. <laughs> conference. <laughs> yeah, this uh, their winner was Oral Roberts University, uh, the Golden Eagles. They're out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, they were really good. Yeah, they've kind of, you know, had the last few years they've been stringing, uh, you know, tournament appearances. Yeah, I didn't know they were in Tulsa, though. So cool. <laughs> the more you know. OK, the next one is the Western Athletic Conference. Ooh, OK, that that's a tricky one. Because there's like a couple with West in the name. I think this one's real too, but I don't know who's in it. Yeah, so this one is real. Uh, Grand Canyon University is their tournament winner. Uh, GCU, the Antelopes out of Phoenix. Okay. Uh, Next up, the Southern Conference. I know this one's real because it's the SoCon. uh, (laughs) UNC Greensboro, I know they're part of it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, their representative is Furman University out of Greenville, South Carolina. They're the Paladins, one of the cool mascots that like no one else has. And last but not least, the America East Conference. Yeah, this, this one's real too. So all, all five of those were real conferences. Yeah, yeah. America East Conference is a real conference. The University of Vermont is their representatives, the Catamounts out of Burlington, Vermont. I feel like they win that conference every year. Yeah. Going out on a win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, as I was reading them, I was like... Do I try to make one up? Some of these all sound so vague. I'll just I'll just use some, all of them. They'll all be real. And uh, <laughs> couldn't stump you. Not this time. Uh, we were joking before we recorded. Just the conference. The, the conference. Yeah, I feel like with um, realignment, you know, and like, uh, you know, people are moving around. Who knows what's going to happen with conferences and if we'll lose some of these or if we'll, you know, have some of the bigger ones broken up. It's going to be interesting the next few years because some of them are getting very big and top heavy big and also covering a wide range like some of the big power conferences aren't even regions anymore like the big 12 is getting central florida next year (laughs) and that's traditionally like a texas and friends conference and then texas ain't going to be in the conference anymore there are no rules (laughs) (laughs) all right so if you're counting 32 guaranteed bid for conference tournament champions that means there's 36 slots left and they are at large bids. These are given by the selection committee to the top teams that did not win their conference championship. 
The selection committee is made up of various athletic directors and commissioners throughout the country. They also select seating for each team, and that is how we get to 68 teams competing for the national title. It's a lot of things that matter a ton before Selection Sunday, but when the bracket is, is set, it matters very little. You know, if if you're in, you have a shot. Now, before we talk about actual basketball, I think we should mention uh, the greatest pastime for college basketball, and that's attempting to make a perfect bracket before the tournament starts. Every year, millions of brackets are created before the tournament begins, and I mentioned the playing games earlier. Typically, you don't have to pick those winners. It's not required. But with that in mind, Bobby, do you know how many different bracket combinations there are for the NCAA tournament? So it's, it's a stupid number. It's a stupid number. Like humans already can't comprehend big numbers. I know it's above a trillion and that's beyond that. I know. Okay. I, are you ready for know. this? Are you ready? Go for it. There are nine quintillions, 223 quadrillion, 372 trillion, 36 billion, 854 million, 775,808 possible outcomes for the NCAA Ooh. tournament, if you, in terms of picking it perfectly. So nine quintillions. So it goes trillion, then quadrillion, then quintillion. Yeah, you can't. Uh, that means nothing to me. That's numbers. <laughs> I feel like a way to kind of wrap your head around how much bigger the next set of numbers is. A million seconds is 12 days. A billion seconds is 31 years. And a trillion seconds is 31,688 years. And we're not even hit in the quadrillions yet or the quintillions. So a stupid big number. <laughs> like the thing with billions, yeah, there's billionaires, there's billion people plus on the planet. Trillions, like you now you're talking like country economies. I'm sure there are real world applications for numbers bigger, but I don't know, like outer space distances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like whenever you get past three commas in a number, you know you're just dealing with a very large number, and there are six commas in a quintillion. Uh, I was looking into this, and I figured this was the case, but there has never been a verified perfect bracket, according to the NCAA. I don't know if you remember this, Bobby, but I think Warren Buffett, I think it was 2011, had a challenge where if you were to pick a perfect bracket, he would pay out a billion dollars to you. Yeah, I think I remember that. I mean... You know it's not going to happen. <laughs> but you got to make one, right? You got to try. And yeah, then, you, you got to try. First week happens and like 95% of the brackets are gone. <laughs> oh, more than that. Like it's some of the years where there's like a crazy upset, it's like oh, there's two perfect brackets left after 16 games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always just how long you can last. Yeah, and I feel like, yeah, almost all brackets rarely like rarely go past the first day, you know, and then yeah. let alone, you know, there's, you know, four days of play for the first round. And then once you throw in one upset, like how often are you going to pick that team again? And if they run, you know, it's doomed. It's doomed. It is. Good luck. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that it felt like it was wrong to talk about the NCAA tournament and not talk about making brackets and trying our best to do the impossible and maybe win some money, maybe just, you know, compete for bragging rights. Who knows? So as stated before, there are a lot of games to play and a lot of teams involved. So we can't reasonably go through all the teams in the matchups. I figured we could highlight some teams to watch and some matchups in the first round that may continue the madness that we expect from March. But it's been prevalent all season. This season has been insane. No one has been the top dog. 
I don't think anyone's held the number one for that long. <laughs> as soon as someone gets, they take a loss or something happens. Um, it's been really fun already. And I think this is like one of the first years you can't like look at a team and go, yeah, they're probably going to make it to the final four because it's just been that wild. So the first thing I want to talk about is the number one overall team, Alabama, out of the SEC or Southeastern Conference. Uh, Alabama is typically known for being a football school and the SEC is typically known for being a football conference. But um, recently, this program has been built up by uh, head coach Nate Oates. This is his fourth season, I think. He's made the tournament almost every year. But this program hasn't been to the Final Four ever and hasn't been to the Elite Eight since 2004. Um, it's a big sports school, so I imagine they were very anxious about getting back into being good at basketball and a good program. Kind of the hot story with Alabama uh, and a lot of controversy surrounding them is uh, star Brandon Miller allegedly provided a firearm in a shooting that a former player did that killed a 21-year-old woman in January. He hasn't been charged, and even if he had been, you know, he's presumed innocent um, until proven guilty, but I think the incident has left a bad taste in a lot of sports fans' mouths. I think we often see talented players get into trouble, and it's kind of brushed aside because they're very good athletes. They're a really good basketball team, but uh, they're going to have this extra thing looming above them you know, as they play this. And I think it's hard enough to be the number one overall and be seen as the bad guys because you're supposedly the best team. But there's a little bit of extra kind of oomph in that mentality now. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation that takes the spotlight off of the basketball being played on the court. I don't have too much to say about Miller and the incident because just not going to get into it. But Alabama, yeah, a few years ago, you just think of them as a football school. And now they're out here. I mean, number one ranked in basketball as well. I mean, you're dominating at the two best or the two biggest college sports. Yeah, at at the very least, the two most lucrative college sports. Uh, I think they're perfectly capable of making a deep run. And, uh, you know, going to the Final Four is probably the goal. You know, crack it the first time. But I mean, there's no reason why they can't make it to the big the big dance, the big final and compete for a title. Yeah, I mean, there's no clear favorite this year, like you said. I mean, if, if they are because they're the number one team, but still, I, I don't know. I think people are leaning towards Houston winning it on home court. That's right. Yeah. So next up I have is Houston. I think a lot of people's number one overall. I think a lot of people were surprised that they didn't get the number one overall. I think generally they're the favorites for the tournament. And in my opinion, there are a lot of likable things about Houston. First, they come from a quote unquote weaker conference. So they're currently in the American Athletic Conference, but not for too much longer because they're joining the Big 12 with three other teams to replace the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma in 2023. A little bit of history backstory about the program. Houston used to be a powerhouse in college basketball. Um, and one of the most famous college basketball teams ever was Houston's team between 1982 and 1984. And this team was nicknamed Phi Slamma to sound like a fraternity and the fact that they were, you know, slam dunking the ball. It may seem weird to label, you know, one team being over multiple years, but back uh, in the 80s and 90s, you couldn't go into, or most athletes wouldn't go into the NBA. They'd finish school. And so you'd have these teams of, you know, five guys who've been playing with each other for two, three years and developing. And it was just a different time, a different kind of basketball. The program struggled after 
uh, those years compared to the success it had previously. It has since been revitalized by Kelvin Sampson. And also, fun fact, Bobby Sampson is from Laurenburg, North Carolina. Huh. You know, represent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a, I had a coworker who was uh, his cousin. So that's uh, how I first found out about that. Just a neat little, little fun fact. So some historic basketball question time. Five Slamma Jamma had a bunch of NBA greats. Two were Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon. Drexler and Olajuwon won an NBA championship together. Bobby, can you tell me what that team was? And I'll give you a hint. I'll give you the year. It was 1995. Yeah, I mean, that's Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah. Because Olajuwon played for them basically his whole career. And then yeah, Drexler yeah. joined at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Houston Rockets. It's turned out to be the Houston episode with uh, the Final Four being played in Houston. We're talking about the team and, you know, just, just some more Houston fun facts. Yeah, I mean, cool for them, uh, you know, going from the university and then going playing for the city's NBA team, too. That's how you build up a like like your fan base there. Like the city's just rooting for you. Like, mm, it feels yeah. cool. You probably never have to buy food in the city ever again. <laughs> Even though you could pay for just about anyone's. <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately... Houston has actually never won the national championship. They've been the runner-up twice and have been to the final four six times, which is tied for 10th most all-time among you know any team who has not won the national championship. So who knows? Hopefully they can get it back in shape, get to that kind of level. And I guess half the battle's getting there to the championship game before you can even think about winning it. But this is a team I think that is perfectly capable of doing that. Yeah, I mean, wishing them the best of luck. I'll admit I have them winning my bracket, so <laughs> please win for me at least. <laughs> <laughs> so next up, we're going to talk about two more teams. And incidentally, they're both number two seeds, um, UCLA and Marquette. So first I'll mention Marquette. They're the Big East regular season champion as well as the, their tournament champion. So they're the best from a very talented basketball conference. And my favorite thing about them is that they're coached by March Madness legend Shaka Smart who formerly coached Virginia Commonwealth University or VCU in 2011. And I don't know if you remember 2011, Bobby, but that was the year they started in the play-in games. So not even guaranteed in the 64 and went all the way to the final four, beating Georgetown, who's a Big East member now, Purdue and Kansas, who was the number one overall. So an insane run. It was a crazy year. I think they made t-shirts that said, uh, there goes your bracket with their logo on it. Uh, just a crazy time. Uh, for basketball fans. Yeah, I mean, it really put VCU on the map for a lot of people as a basketball school, like one of the best mid-major teams. Like I followed college basketball a bit before this, but like this is when I was at the age where I was like understanding the whole landscape of college hoops. And then I started paying attention like anyone can be anyone. I feel like that really started the era. There's just so much talent. And ever since then, you see some major upsets uh just point it back to this one for me yeah yeah any play-in team beating the next team is already like not picked by 99 percent of the brackets anyway you know so it's just crazy they got out of that and made it to the final four well i should say i saw some numbers about that one of the teams who wins the play-in game usually wins their uh round of 64 matchup i think only one year it didn't happen I imagine there is some benefit to having that extra game because you're playing against a team who hasn't played in a couple weeks. Um, 
a good upset opportunity. And next up, UCLA, who I partially included because we mentioned them in a previous episode about the NCAA's international stars. If you didn't listen to that episode, please go back and check it out. You'd probably be surprised about how many great non-American players will be playing in this tournament because a few of those guys made the tournament. But I'm not going to tell you anymore. You got to go back. You got to listen. So after that episode, I've been keeping up with UCLA. I watched their run in the Pac-12 tournament. They're a fun team to watch. And speaking of the international episode, we talked about Jaime Jaquez Jr. He technically is an international star. He's He was born in the United States, but his parents are from Mexico. But after that episode, I was following him. Big fan. He won Pac-12 Player of the Year. So it's been fun to watch him this season. I wish them the best. It'll be a tough road for them, but it's a tough road for all teams hoping to make it to the championship. Yeah, I mean, it's cool for Jaquez. I know he's potentially a first round NBA draft pick. And he's been in a lot of mock drafts. He's on that cusp of first round and second round. Yeah, it's cool that there's a lot of international stars, though. I mean, basketball, it continues to grow around the world, and it's just going to get better and better for the sport. Yeah, I think the amount of space for a basketball court being so little compared to other sports, it's made it very popular in all countries around the world. It's it's really exciting to see another sport that everyone can be excited about. You know, we have soccer or football I think basketball is kind of getting up to that tier where it's, you know, we recognize that there are good players everywhere and not just the United States, especially right now in the NBA. Yeah. And as far as sports that every country can play, I think it's become the clear number two behind football slash soccer. So like I know cricket has a lot of people, but you're very concentrated in a couple countries. A very large population, a very, uh, a very couple large population countries, which yeah. help it too. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, in time, basketball will kind of not maybe take over, but rise up to to challenge cricket for that number two slot. So those are some just four teams to, to watch out for. I'm going to highlight some of the matchups to watch in the first round. I mainly want to focus on the 5-12 matchups. Those are the infamous upset games. All are worth watching because this is consistently the spot where you're going to get an upset. I don't remember the last time there wasn't one. I feel like... If I were to guess, it would probably be farther back than it actually was. But I feel like every year we have a 5-12 upset, or at least a scare. Yeah, sometimes we get two of them. Yeah, true. So the first games are on March 16th. Uh, first, San Diego State plays Charleston, and then Duke plays Oral Roberts. And then on March 17th, Miami plays Drake, and St. Mary's plays VCU. We just talked about VCU. I would be very surprised if there isn't a single 12 seed that beats a 5 seed this tournament. If I had to pick one, I'd pick Charleston. They're a really good team. I've watched a lot of their basketball, unfortunately, because uh, my school has lost to them every time they played them. They are a fantastic team. They've only lost three games this year. And I think a lot of people were expecting them to be higher than a 12 seed because they were getting top 25 votes consistently throughout the year. So um, it'll be interesting. It's just an unfortunate spot because 12 seed, why this matchup is always seen as the upset one. Because five seed is going to be one of your good but not elite major conference teams. And then the best of your conferences that only send one team are going to be your 12 seeds. So this is essentially best of the rest. And yeah, Charleston as a 12 seed, I have them winning too. I know we're a bit biased because UNC Wilmington alum. But also the uh, Oral Roberts, they only lost three games this season too. Yeah, and Duke hasn't been the sharpest. Um, they're kind of peaking at the right time, though. Uh, yeah. Filipowski's playing really well, played really well all ACC tournament. 
So if he can keep it up, it's going to be tough, but I think they can do it. It's just, it's, it's hard. Upsets are hard, but I do think that that's a, a very capable matchup. And I was joking with a friend that likes Duke the whole weekend about how Duke was going to get a five seed. Um, and they were going to be, you know, doomed to get knocked out to a 12. And uh, I was right. And I also said they were going to get Charleston as the 12. And I was almost right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a tough matchup, that one for sure. I know a lot of people are picking Oral Roberts in that one. I feel VCU over St. Mary's is somewhat common. I think Miami versus Drake is the only one that people are writing off. So naturally, that's going to be the, the one. one where that Drake yeah. wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always tough. I feel like when I'm making a break, I'm, I, I'm forced to pick one. And then I'm always kind of hesitant about two more that I'm like, oh, I can't pick three. You know, it's just not going to happen. But like, I don't know that they, they're all so enticing to pick, you know? Yeah, I mean, I picked Charleston VCU. You should always pick one, maybe two of these upsets. I think the numbers on it, it's like the five seed wins 60, 65% of the time. So it's the it's that matchup that's at the cusp because anything beyond this, like a, the four versus 13 matchup, the odds go way down. Yeah, it's crazy how like six and 11 and four and 13 who are just one off seem like formalities for the higher seed seems pretty rare and they're not as you know focused on but upsets can happen anywhere and you never know a huge upset could happen you know like a 15 beating a two seed there have been plenty of those over the years um they're very rare but i feel like it hasn't been that long since we've had a 15 beat a two it's become more common yeah and uh in 2018 the number one seed in one of the regions could lose to a 16 seed which has never happened but it, except for this one time with virginia and uh umbc the Chesapeake Bay Retrievers. That was an insane day. I would be hesitant to call it the biggest upset in basketball just because the stakes aren't as large. It's, you know, we've had pretty big upsets in the national championship, but it's probably top three because it's never happened before. And everyone was riding golf, you know, or, you know, riding Virginia as, you know, a clear final four favorite. It was just a crazy time to be a basketball fan. Yeah. Uh, will we see that again this time i don't know probably not not. (laughs) statistically not (laughs) but that's the thing you don't know that's true that's true and if you i can't imagine anyone except for umbc fans picking that (laughs) matchup but it's uh just the allure of getting something right that other people get wrong is very enticing with uh, making brackets um do you have any specific matchups you like to focus on bobby well we mentioned the four versus 13 as well as the the three versus 14. That's like the extent of choosing a matchup where an upset could happen. Like usually there's at least one of those in a given year. If you go beyond that, the, the one and two seeds losing in the first round, less common. But this year, some ones to keep an eye on. Kennesaw State as a 14 seed. I think this is their tournament debut. They're playing Xavier in the first round, who's a three seed. Um, Indiana versus Kent State. That's a four versus 13 that some people are picking Kent State on UNC Asheville as a 15 seed going up against UCLA. And then Texas versus Colgate, a two versus 15 matchup. Colgate had the highest three point percentage in the nation. So if they get hot. Yeah, it could be over. You could just walk away. If one team is hot, especially those are the teams that kind of upset you. Or if a team is like a defensive minded team, which was Virginia style, that still is, but that year as well, where they slow the game down and they beat you defensively and they kind of choke you out and the games are like 40 to 20 and it's miserable <laughs> to watch. <laughs> if those teams, you know, 
are lacking and they get scored on, you know, it's kind of hard for them. And they don't play that fast paced game to catch up that you have to play when you need to run and catch the team up. Uh, those are the games that are really fun to watch. I feel like what I do is I turn a game that I want to watch on and then I watch basically the entire time the little top band of scores. And whenever <laughs> <laughs> it's ever, you know, the lower seed has a war points, so it's getting towards the end of the game. I'm like, all right, I'm changing it <laughs> to that. Yep. And uh, you get the upset alerts on your phone that, you know, something could happen. That's that's the way I go about it. Just because there's so many games happening at once. Yeah, it's a bit overwhelming because they're just happening so constantly. It's like the whole day because you go from East Coast to West Coast. I mean, it's it's a fun time. Uh, one other matchup, though, out of the one seeds, I think Purdue is the one everyone's pegging as like, oh, they're the ones that could go out early. Potential second round matchup here is Purdue versus Memphis. Memphis beat Houston in their conference championship tournament. So I can ride them while they're hot. <laughs> Memphis going to go on a run. Yeah, I feel like Kansas, too. A lot of people see them as a, someone who shouldn't be a first seed. Like they have a lot of good wins, but they also have a lot of bad losses. So who knows? Who knows what could happen? We'll just have to see how it all plays out. If you are in the U.S., you can watch the tournament on MarchMadnessLive.com. You have to have a cable provider log in, like almost everything here. And if you have cable uh, or any kind of you know cable-like service, uh, there are four network providers: CBS, True TV, TBS, and TNT. TSN is the broadcast provider in Canada. BT Sport. And ESPN Player is the provider in the UK. Australian fans can follow the action on ESPN or Kayo. And if you're available anywhere else, ESPN has international streaming rights for the tournament. You should be able to check out the games through them. It should be fun. I think this is like the most excited I've been for it just because of how this year's played out and how no one's been infallible. The team who was ranked number one before the season started didn't even make the tournament. It's been a crazy, crazy year. I uh, I really can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's always a lot of fun. I mean, I've got no biases in this because UNC Wilmington didn't make it. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's always fun. You're going to latch on to a team. I don't know who I really want to win other than who I choose in my bracket. Just want to see some chaos. <laughs> you can bust yeah. my bracket if you create chaos. I, yeah, I don't team care. chaos. I'm, I'm team chaos in a lot of sports. I just love seeing upsets and angry, angry fans. You know, <laughs> and, and, and and elated fans who didn't even expect to win, you know. But anyway, should be fun. Check it out. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, the biggest thing you can do for us is to share it with friends or family that you think would enjoy it, too. If you can give us a like or a follow on your favorite podcast website or app, that would be great. We're on a lot of the major podcast platforms. We'll be back next week and theoretically every week until we run out of sports to cover, which means something bad has happened if we can't cover any sports. Something terrible has, <laughs> has happened. The world has ended. Who knows? So, uh, Bobby, would you like to give them some insight into next week's episode? Yeah. So we are doing a country profile as we do every other week. So we're covering a country from Africa. It's one that people have heard of. So it's not a super obscure place. It's relevant to a player that's in this tournament field we didn't even mention the team uh screw it creighton university (laughs) (laughs) there we said it i mean keep your eye on them in the tournament they could make a run who knows yeah they play nc state thursday i think no friday sorry so yeah make your guesses tune in for that one until next time we'll see you later bye bye